When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right, hello. Hi. Uh, nice space. Welcome to hell. Oh, it's not that bad. We must feed. You got a what? We must. Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? Nothing in the universe can escape it. Everything just get pulled inside and crushed. Discuss. What? What don't they know? <laughs> this time there's three of us. Stand by, everyone. Buckle down. We have incoming. And it's a big one. Here comes the drums! Hello, 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 and welcome to Pull to Open the Ongoing Quest to watch all of the television show Doctor Who, every single minute of it in entirely random order. My name is Chris Taylor. And my name is Pete Paschal, and normally, this is the part where I say Chris and I are a couple of guys, we're two journalists who happen to be longtime fans of Doctor Who, two people excited to talk about a really exciting Doctor Who story this week, but this time I'm not going to do that. And there is a reason I'm not talking about the two of us listeners, and because Chris, what don't they know? We are many. We are legion. Uh... And this time there's three of us. Welcome to Ellie Blackwood from many social media planets and speculative fiction planets. Um, Ellie, thank you for joining us. Uh, please introduce yourself to the, the fine folks, the Pull to Open audience. Hey, everybody. My name is Ellie Blackwood. I would describe myself as a speculative fiction writer in progress, a massive space nerd, and a maker of TikToks where I overanalyze Doctor Who. Nice. And I... Exactly I, I would describe describe you also as a Doctor Who influencer extraordinaire because uh, mm-hmm. I, I we certainly first uh, discovered you. <laughs> we like we discovered you, but I mean we we ran into you many many times on our TikTok feed, and your takes are so good. I just got to say that you have a lot of takes on characters on stories. And I would find myself liking, occasionally commenting, and then after a while, like we've got to get this girl on the show. Like, she's just amazing. Um, so welcome to the show. But how did you start to become, I guess, this sort of social media influencer uh, and, uh, you know, specializing in Doctor Who? That's a really great question. So I think the first video I ever made about Doctor Who was actually about a year and a half ago. I I was really interested in the progression of the Doctor's character throughout New Who because I'd just done a full Doctor Who rewatch um, in 2022 uh, of wow. New Who, not of Classic. Okay. Um, mm. And watching it all together for the first time 
was really interesting because it made me realize just how much character work carries through the, the entire run of especially the ninth through 12th doctors uh, mm. so i made a tiktok about that and barely anybody saw it but it was really fun um and then a few months later i i had been really getting into the doctor who soundtrack so thinking about character themes uh-huh. musical themes and so i made a video where i played um the themes for each doctor so um the doctor's theme from the ninth doctor uh the doctor forever from the tenth doctor and then he also has a variation of the doctor's theme uh i am the doctor for the eleventh doctor and a good man question mark for 12 um and 13 for 13 and so i i made a tiktok where i played those because i thought oh it could be cool to show people how to recognize these when they're watching the show and it kind of blew up um, yeah. <laughs> so after that first video blew up, I um, made a few other videos about the music of Doctor Who. So I talked about the New Who Companions themes. I talked about the villain themes, the master's themes. Um, and then from there, I, I started making videos about other kinds of Doctor Who um, subjects. I did uh, in-depth character arc videos about each of the new who doctors i think my most popular video is so far is the one that i did about the 10th doctor's character arc um mm. fancy but, that the 10th doctor that, yes. popular yes the 10th <laughs> doctor popular what um uh, my, my video we, i also sorry i was what? gonna say before we get into 10 i i, I wanted to know uh, have you heard 15 the, the new theme for 15 uh, yes um the 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 his um the, the one that's like coming the, doctor, was... the the specific doctor's theme tune yes yes the one from uh, that was show, in the BBC Sounds special they did a they uh, did the world premiere of shooting up was theme yeah yeah I did hear that I think it's a little bit difficult sometimes to um, assess the music that premieres um, mm. with the orchestra because they mm. haven't done all of the you know, pretend, potential extra synth that they might put into it. Mm. Um, I I liked his theme. I it, it's not necessarily my favorite. Maybe that's a bit of a hot take. Um, yeah, it, lo- we love hot takes here. <laughs> I I really like I like themes that build. So, for example, my favorite companion theme is Roses because it it starts mm. off very soft and then kind of builds into something a little bit more, um, something with a little bit more heft to it, and. Mm. I I just don't really feel like 15's built a lot. I did love Ruby Sunday's theme. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I thought that was no. really nice. Interesting. But okay. It, but who knows? Like maybe when we see it in action, maybe when when we see Shuti Gatwa in action, like sprinting down a corridor with his theme playing, maybe then I'll be I'll be <laughs> I'll stop being a hater. I'll be converted into a true believer. Yeah. In... It is all about the corridor. Um, but yeah. this is fantastic. So you're you're interested in Ten's character arc. You're interested in Rose's developing theme, uh, and you may have an interest in uh, space and astrophysics as well. Mm, that could become relevant fairly soon. Yeah, is is the fact that I have an astrophysics degree going to come back in this podcast? We shall see. We, we shall see. Well, Pete, why don't <laughs> well, you uh, catch people up on this weirdly random journey we've been having? Yeah, so enough of this forward lookingness. Let's look back. Mm-hmm. So previously on Pull to Open, uh, it's been quite a journey, folks. Okay, so the man- randomizer, I would actually say, has kind of been a little bit on the nose lately. Mm-hmm. So this all started really about a month ago, and we arrived at Human Nature and the Family of Blood. Now, that is a story that stars David Tennant. Uh, it's probably one of his best. 
And it, that actually put us on a uh, on course for, you know, his big return in the 60th anniversary. Um, now, that would have been enough. But then, believe it or not, the randomizer served up the three doctors. So and that's, of course, the 10th anniversary special, sort of. Uh, but it was a strange coincidence that we had that podcast post right of the morning of the 60th special mm-hmm. the first one the star beast and little known fact the three doctors features a black hole again that might become <laughs> yes. relevant in a minute um right. but that was so on the nose um it was it was like a trip so of course the randomizer took us to nightmare of eden the drug episode of doctor who um right. which had a lot of drug dealing and nefarious characters and monsters made of drugs spoiler yeah. alert um but I'm all that was happening interject and say the randomizer really likes it when the doctor gets into a spacesuit uh because we have recently been to the ambassadors of death and uh the seeds of death both of which contain astronaut doctors even though seeds of death patrick dryden is naturally in a spacesuit but yeah yeah rockets yeah mutants i think the doctors in a spacesuit and that so like we've had a lot just to really amp up this foreshadowing oh man we can even go back to frontier in space yes but anyway we'd be here all day with all the space duty but it's all recent and it's all pulled to open go ahead go back and check out those episodes but uh now the randomizer has taken us to an adventure another adventure starring david tennant as the doctor uh going to the edge of space uh, in fact, if not the edge of reality to do battle with some very strange creatures. No, it's actually not Wild Blue Yonder, which we just did a hot take on for the podcast. That was last week. Instead, we've come to Series 2, Episodes 8 and 9, The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. Yes, and I really couldn't imagine anything more appropriate given all of that, given that long windup uh, and given our guest today. Well, that's funny, right? Because yeah. we like Ellie. We we've this has been in the works for a while. Like we've been trying to pin down a date, and it was just funny this date worked out. And then boom, it's it's this one. Like I mean, like you know, we always say it's our running joke that we're scared of the randomizer because mm. it's just so apt. In you know, most of the time, I mean, but the last month or two, I mean, wow. And this one in particular, it's just dead on. Yeah, so. and I, I also have have a, a personal. This may be a too personal question. Feel free to say no comment. But uh, are you actually a Satanist? I am not a Satanist. <laughs> okay, okay. That's just checking because that would be really spooky. Uh, because yeah, we we're we're getting uh, satanic with it as well as uh, astrophysical with it in our it's commentary. All. Um, but it's all happening. We get there, yep. Before we get there, well, by the way, if you want to cut right to the commentary on the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Uh, feel free to check the show notes and you can find the exact time code the place to fast forward to where that commentary begins. But you won't want to do that, folks, because, of course, we have an all new Hemoji challenge. You want to join us on poll to open where we talk about results for the three doctors. And there's lots more. It's all coming up in the poll to open pulse loop. Of course. Fetch it, Damon. All right. Well, first in the Pull to Open Pulse Loop, we are on pulltoopen.net. That's right. We're on that worldwide web thing. Subscribe to the newsletter. Get our full written notes on every episode, including uh, our guests' notes, which uh, which is fabulous. Uh, you can also be a patron on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash pulltoopen. Uh, we, in a very timey-wimey way, are about to review the giggle, mm. uh, rather ourselves in the future our our not us our not beings our not not monster versions 
uh, in the immediate future, will be reviewing the final part. And wow, uh, yeah, yeah, wasn't wasn't that amazing, Pete? Loved, <laughs> loved the giggle. Really loved well, that's still happening. Neil See this Harris did that thing. This is happening to people listening to this in a few hours, and for us, it's a week from now. Time, it's all timey wimey when you get into the the podcast world, folks. But yeah, this yeah. will be our special sort of non-random hot take. We're jamming the randomizer for the last time. Maybe not the last time, because I oh, believe no. there's another special coming Indeed. a little later in December. Um, we might we might have to sort of put the randomizer on hold for that one, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this will round out our uh, trilogy of Tenant Tate uh, adventures. And right. uh, yeah. And if you want to that. show support for our hot takes and the rest of the Pull to Open content, leave a review in the podcast app you're using, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, feel free to leave five stars or five pentagrams uh, in your reviews. Uh, that will make the show visible to more listeners. Eager for great discussion of Doctor Who. And the only uh, way to do something even better than that for Pull to Open is to share the podcast with a random friend or, or an enemy or a frenemy. Uh, and yes, and uh, you can also leave your uh, review in the form of a Doctor Who title using emoji, uh, which we then use uh, to torture both me uh, and any any guest who might happen to wander into our trap. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And uh, we've got one this week, Pete. We set it off, guys. It is time for a double contestanted emoji challenge. That's right. Uh, this is where we get to torture Chris and now Ellie Blackwood uh, uh, to give them. A, we're going to describe emojis for them. And I, I tell you, we will one day have the technology to show them to you outside of just the chat window, which I know is very tiny. But we'll put them there. And you guys will guess the Doctor Who show title. And guys, oh, I'm not envious of the position Uh-oh. you're in this week. Oh, no. Oh. So. We had one of our fans give us a few emojis a little while back, and he gave easy, medium, and hard. And I'm sorry to report, it's time for hard. This is going to be the hard one. Uh, so I'm Chris, undereducated on Classic Who, so if it's Classic Who, I might just be completely hopeless. Well, that would be a hint if I were to reveal whether it was classic or modern, but those sure. could come later. We will need it <laughs> eventually. All right. Are you guys ready to get this going? Let's do it. All right. Three emojis. That's three. Three is right. That's what three is. Three emojis. First emoji. A brick. A brick emoji. It's actually more than one brick. It's bricks. But they're bricks. Second emoji. Fist. But it's the fist that's like forward, like punching forward. Then the third emoji is the repeat button, you know, so the two arrows looping back on each other. Is it heaven sent? It's heaven sent! <laughs> I, yes, congratulations. I had the same thought at the same time. I'm like, yes, okay. Did, was it the description of the fist that gave it away? Was it too yeah. much? Yeah, it was, it was like the bricks and then the fist, and I thought, punching through a wall. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, one of my favorite but ones. But it was a glass wall. I guess. I don't know. Well, it, it, uh, wasn't it supposed to be like adamantium or some kind of element that's supposed to be 400 times stronger than diamond or something? Yeah, something right. crazy. Yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. throw a like, bird in because there's, there's some reference to a bird, some story about a bird in that. Yeah, uh, the. Um, mm. Yeah. 
You know, it's been so long since I've seen Heaven Sent because I don't want to ruin it. I don't want it to be not special when I see it. So I've really only seen it twice. Once when it was first came out and then once like probably a week later just to kind of really take it in. And I honestly haven't haven't watched it since because I'm I'm scared to not that it's going to get mundane, you know, so (laughs) I'm I'm waiting for it to come up in the podcast. It hasn't come up yet. Yeah, it's kind of funny because sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, of course, the the new reigning champion of best Doctor Who story ever, according to Doctor Who magazine voters. Uh, but go ahead, Annie. Yeah, I've also seen Heaven Sent only twice. Once when it aired, and then once when I did a full Doctor Who rewatch last year. A full New Who rewatch, not full Doctor Who rewatch. And um, I remember on my on my second watch, it was still great. Like I, I love Heaven Sent, but I remember thinking, man, you can really tell that the same guy who wrote Sherlock also wrote this. Because let's be honest, <laughs> half of it is just in Twelve's mind palace. It really uh, is. Yes. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's it's well, great. Don't get me wrong; it's great, but it I'm is very, the reigning champion, as as uh, Chris said, in the Doctor Who poll. And you are now the reigning champion, Ellie, in the Emoji Challenge. So you take that back with you to TikTok and every other social network you care to brag about it. We'll get your your personal emoji made so you can display it prominently in your profile. Do I get um, to come back next week and defend my title? <laughs> please, oh, please if you do. like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> save, we'll, uh... save me from this heaven-centered <laughs> round where, where I have to punch a hole in the wall of the emoji challenge every week and then get vaporized and come back again the next week. Uh, but if you are on Spotify, you do not have to punch through a wall to tell us what you think of the particular story that we're discussing, uh, because we have the feature poll to open. That's right, poll from the bottom of the screen right now, and you can rate the Impossible Planet of the Satan Pit before we've even talked about it. Uh, you can just go to all of our uh, polls, all of our shows on Spotify, vote in them, vote early and often, because we keep those polls open. If you're in line, stay in line. And uh, yeah, we've got some ratings to discuss now for... The Three Doctors. People kind of liked it, Pete. People enjoy The Three Doctors. Look at this. So uh, it got our highest rating by a mile. So more than half of the folks who voted uh, rated it a Viscount Banger, one of the best of the best. Wow. And uh, comparatively, the fixed point in time, Chris, which was your rating, which is what we give to an episode of Doctor Who that's kind of beyond rating for... Um, whatever reason that also came in second around 30 percent and then the dalek which was actually my rating you know a good episode of doctor who um is a distant third luckily i i kind of knew this though no one rated it a bad episode or even a bad episode where we learned something um but you had uh you you kind of yeah. are the per- <laughs> of, of the people here you came out the most ahead because you went fixed point in time and that was basically where a lot of people went Good point, Ellie. Have you seen the Three Doctors? Not yet, okay, but I know well, it's the it's the tenth anniversary special, isn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah. The it's the closest thing was not really <laughs> broadcast on the tenth anniversary because they didn't really do that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, come, come on back when you've seen it and uh, <laughs> vote in our poll and uh, let us know what you think. I, I'm very, very curious. We we often encounter this with with uh, pull to open, especially on TikTok. Uh, a lot of our followers are, you know, new to, to Classic Who, and we're kind of introducing these old shows. So I'm always fascinated by, like, what, what it looks like now, you know, the wobbly sets, the, the gel monsters with the bad bubble wrap. Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. But yes, 
Yeah, uh, honestly, in some ways, in some ways, I'm a little scared of rating classic Who episodes because they almost feel. In a way, I, I kind of worry that I'd end up rating them all fixed points in time because they kind of feel right. like <laughs> it, it, it feels almost blasphemous to to rate mm. them as you know a a, um, a tiny little David Tennant and Matt Smith kid, um, mm. you know, like 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 who am I to rate you know the 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 venerated show that came before the modern iteration mm. of the show? Because um, yeah. I, I reacted to I made a TikTok where I reacted to an unearthly child. Um, recently and mm -hmm. if i think about what i would have rated that i, I don't think i can we'd have to I get you on a spaceship at the edge of the universe with only mm. classic who to watch and no way <laughs> oh, to no. reach back in the universe so then you'll develop a taste and you'll be able to like boldly rate everything i'm sure so we'll figure yeah. that out yeah. yeah go go watch time flight and then tell me that it's not possible to <laughs> I, might de I might develop an evil clone of myself that will rate everything honestly <laughs> Yes, yes. Do it. Do a tenant who now has so many evil clones of himself. Um, All right, folks. Yes, speaking so of speaking of stories at the edge of the universe and takes on them, you can find our take on Wildly Yonder on a little place called YouTube, which is YouTube.com/slash/pull-to-open, uh, where we have done our hot takes on the most recent specials, and of course, you can follow us there and follow the podcast there as well. You can. It's a great place to leave an emoji title or a comment, uh, and you can see all these great Easter eggs in the background and uh, yeah, the, sh the lovely shirt Ellie's wearing, which is that, is that a 11? Yeah, it looks like 11 because it's like the monsters of 11 because I recognize yeah, the new Paradigm Dalek. Um, and there's a yeah. silence on there as well. But yeah, it's like the Abbey Road album cover but with Doctor Who villains. Oh. Um, my, my brother got this shirt and then I went, I need that shirt and so I ordered the exact same shirt. Awesome. Love it, and I've I've got my uh, satanic sloth here, and uh, <laughs> I got the history of hell and uh, illustrated book of the devil right here because uh, yeah, we're we're, we're going to get into a little devilish commentary. Yeah, in well, a my short shirt's time. The, the evil evil Dalek. I got my other Dalek shirt, but this one was like red on black. That feels oh yeah right. That feels Satan bit. That's what I got to do. Devilish Dalek. I love that. I love the idea of Daleks being Satanist. Hail Satan. Um, but yes, also please follow us on TikTok, uh, where you can listen to this entire podcast, the whole thing, on your TikTok app. Uh, give us a follow, keep on commenting. Uh, we're pulled to open there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and Blue Sky. Uh, no, not Blue Sky, we're pulled to open 63 on everything but Blue Sky, where we're pulled to open. And now yeah. it is Well, time. hold on, Doug, give, give Ellie a follow on TikTok. Yes, please. What's your Hi, handle, Ellie? Ellie? What is the handle? <laughs> My handle is at loose leaf Ellie, like loose leaf tea, um, because I like tea a lot. And it's also kind of a book reference because I was originally, and sort of kind of still am a book talker. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, same handle, at loose leaf Ellie, although I mainly talk about books on there. And, um, but yeah, mainly my Doctor Who stuff is on TikTok. But hey, if you also like books, hey, you know. <laughs> who doesn't who likes like books? books? I mean, come on. Books, they're awesome. Uh, that being a quick PSA for books. Unless and, uh, you have a planet <laughs> full of them, because then it's a breeding ground for Vashta Narada, right, guys? So yes. let's not go yeah. too crazy with the books. And, and my quick book recommendation. Yes. My quick yeah. book recommendation for Doctor Who fans is my favorite ever book. This is how you lose the time war. It's not yes. that time war, but it's still cool. It's a very cool <laughs> time war. It's such a great ep epistolatory novel. I can never know how to pronounce Epistolary, it. Epistolary, yeah, and it, and it's a novella, so it's kind of short. 
It's super short. It's a real quick read. It does feel a bit Doctor Who-ish in the sort of the romantic elements. I do. Yeah, I love that book. I'm with you on it. Uh, yeah, so follow follow Loose Leaf, and uh, while you're there, maybe follow Lucifer Leaf. I'm not sure if there are any uh, tea drinking uh, Satanists on TikTok. Surely, surely there must be. It's the internet. If you can think it, someone's done it. Um, yes. Maybe that's maybe <laughs> that's the account that my evil wild blue yonder clone will set up when she gets free. <laughs> Yes, that's it. Lucifer Leaf is your account for uh, when you want to denigrate Classico, uh, or or just or just listen to the show because we we do it all the time. All right, Pete, it's it's time. Um, mm. It's time to start. Well, I, I stalled pretty well there by just simply you for asking did. the handle. I think you did. <laughs> so, as regular listeners know, we start our commentary on our stories with a little segment we call TLDW. Too long, didn't watch Too Long Doctor Who. Uh, Too long probably did watch in this case. I feel like this is a a one that, you know, has been seen by many, many people, uh, many uh, new Who fans and and old Who fans alike. Um, But we allot uh, one minute per new Who episode. And this is that that rare new Who episode that's two-parter. Uh, so Pete, you have two minutes this week. Two minutes, your turn. Uh, unless right. uh, you you would like to uh, offer Ellie some bribe to uh, to step in instead. <laughs> I'm too merciful. I, I just would never put any guest through the torture that is TLDW. Humoji challenge, okay, that's fine because sometimes those you know they're just fun and satisfying. But this is just a thing you got to get through, and this week it's me. So let's do it. That's right. It's time to see which rabbit holes you're going to fall down uh, and spend 30 seconds discussing um, as we count down the official pull to open summary of The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit in two, mark you, two minutes, starting in three, two, one. It's the far future. The Doctor and Rose materialize on what's called a sanctuary base, which is this base that's on a planet. It's uh, actually the planet that they find out after they encounter the Ood, which are these weird servant creatures, uh, is actually orbiting a black hole. And there is a, a, a team of people there that are investigating because there is a power source way down below uh, that they're mining to on this planet that is actually the thing that is keeping the planet there it's this amazing power source that they want to use and basically figure out the secret of so that they can take back and power the civilization but then all these creepy things start to happen this guy toby who's the archaeologist there who knows there's a civilization on this planet or was once uh he's got starting to hear voices and then he's sort of lured outside into where it's like the the vacuum or there's you know he's basically kind of taken over by this this creature and then he kills one of the other people and then they find her dead and her body sort of floats into the black hole, and then the doctor goes with one of their scientists down once they've finished the mine shaft where the 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 uh, power source supposedly is. So they go down there, and they're in spacesuits, and they go. Uh, well, then everything goes crazy and haywire on the station, and the ood get all taken over by this beast that's talking through them, and it's this scary scary uh, uh, voice, and it uh, says it's Satan, and so the doctor and the the scientist. Uh, end up going down into this pit because now they can't go back up because the thing, uh, the the thing that came out and is broken. Oh, and by the way, the TARDIS has been lost. It fell down a shaft earlier, and uh, they everyone's running around on the base, and it's kind of like the Uder chasing them, and they're trying to cut them off with uh, oxygen, and uh, they the Doctor goes down into the 
uh, into the beast chamber and finds it's this mindless thing. Meanwhile, everyone on the station gets in the rocket, anyone who's still alive, and they take off to get away from the planet. Uh, they have to leave the ood there, but the doctor busts the thing. The beast is the, the planet, and everything fall back uh, into the black hole. But he finds the TARDIS at the last second and rescues everyone. Uh, unfortunately, just not the ood because the TARDIS is uh, can deal with black holes. All right, <laughs> here we go. Two minutes and fourteen seconds. Uh, good job. It's tough. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I was trying to sort of keep the. I, I, this is the thing when I try to keep the structure and the pace of the story, you know, one thing happening before the other, I think that screws it up. I think often when I just abandon the story structure and just explain stuff, I can actually get through it in two minutes. But you know, pretty close. All right, yeah, lots. There was definitely <laughs> a lot. Lots of a lot. lots and it's... lots of mavity in this uh, particular episode. Yes, Mavity is mentioned many times in this. And using the weird name Gravity, I don't know what they were thinking. It must be some sort of in-joke. Yeah, um, yeah, I suppose. Um, but honestly, it's it's really nuts how much this two-parter structurally is a lot like Wild Blue Yonder. So isn't it? like you have, you know, the Doctor and Rose are at essentially this massive cosmological phenomenon uh, it may as well be at the edge of space, you know, that's kind of what that one is, but it's like, uh, and they lose the TARDIS, right? In both. Yep. And, um, you no mention of the hads cause he hasn't turned it on. Yeah. And, but it's like this kind of idea of going to this crazy remote thing where uh, physics are even sort of out the window. It, it sort of raises the stakes in the peril um, to a point where you just you don't feel like they're very isolated, they're very powerless. Um, like I think this this two parter does a really good job of keeping that sort of suspense going throughout. I mean, there's the point later where they're convinced they've lost the TARDIS, like for good. And even though as viewers we kind of know they haven't, we we believe that they believe it. Even though you know what I mean, like we don't believe that that's going to be the structure of the show, but but they really sell it, and part of it is the sort of situational stuff they put them in, like just really really smart framing of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So many yeah. times the TARDIS have been lost, and and uh, never they've not really thought through the implications of the Doctor having to get a mortgage, um, which <laughs> is actually a nice connection to to the Star Beast. Uh, remember when we talked about the comic strip version of the Star Beast? It does end with this weird line about. Uh, Sharon, the doctor's companion, in that talking about how he, she couldn't imagine him with a uh, a mortgage, and he said, "I'd, I'd rather face a, a Dalek or a Draconian or something." Hmm. So, Ellie, like you've mentioned, you've grew up on Tenant and Smith. Do you remember watching this one for the first time? No, I actually. So, I didn't actually start watching Doctor Who regularly as it aired until Smith's era. Um, so mm, I saw this okay. one kind of. I so I saw this one when I was pretty young, but it was more like. I'd started watching Smith's era and I'd seen a few tenant episodes. And so I was like, okay, I need to get caught up. Um, my very mm. first doctor who episode actually was watching the Christmas invasion when I was five. Um, oh. And it was so weird. The, the Sycorax prosthetics were so weird and the sword fight and the hand getting chopped off was so weird that for many years, I thought it was a weird fever dream that I just imagined. And then <laughs> when I went back to, you know, when I started watching Matt Smith and I was like, okay, I need to catch up with the tenant stuff that I missed. I watched that episode and I was like, 
it was Doctor Who the whole time. Yes. <laughs> that is, um, is great that you use that exact phrase, fever dream. We've, that is what we have described mm. uh, Doctor Who, and especially a lot of classic Who as uh, on the podcast before. And I, I certainly had the same experience growing up uh, at that age with, with Tom Baker stories that now I kind of look back and realize like I did not even know what was going on as a kid. It just sort of, it's these flashing images and you're just like, what is, what is this? Uh, yeah, is it yeah. supposed but, to be this crazy? And yes. So I was, I was curious when, um, when I was asking you if you, wh- I was curious what age you were when you saw it, Ellie, just because I feel like this is a kind of a scary episode, right? And especially yeah. for kids. Um, I, I think I would have been about 12 when I saw this episode. So okay, like, so still uh, able I, to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't really scary, but uh, so I, I liked that I was old enough to appreciate kind of what it was going for because there's a bit of a philosophical component to it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Doctor and Ida have this this sort of conversation about what do you believe? You know, mm, yeah. um, and the, the Doctor asks her if she has a has a religion, and she says she's. Uh, I don't remember what she says. Uh, something like new congregationist, yeah. Ne- neo Christian congregationalist or something. Yes. Um, and then she says, What do you believe? And he's like, I don't know. I, do, I believe I haven't seen everything. Mm. Um, so th- this is an episode that I really loved from my first watching it because I, I dug the philosophy. I dug the, uh, I mean, the suspense, the, the pacing in this episode is brilliant. Um, and I have always, always, always loved space. So I love the ones that are set in space. Um, and then I got an astrophysics mm. degree, and now I rip them to shreds. But they're still very fun to watch. <laughs> That's funny you say. Like they, they did conceive this one partly because there was criticism of the first series that it was right. a little too earthbound. Um, you know, a lot of people loved it, but there were, that was one thing. There was only one, like really, well, two, I guess, with the parting of the ways. But it was the same space station. So, um, and here they kind of um, again. I, I was just saying this about wild blue yonder i really like how davies has uh been the showrunner to do these really big scale things like um i know he didn't write it uh but the idea of like well let's go to a black hole you know what would that be and let's let's sort of imagine stuff and we'll we'll get into sort of how how close or how off it was and what what kind of works and doesn't from a physics standpoint um but just i love the idea of like oh well a planet orbiting around a black hole, which sounds fairly impossible. And they just sort of put that in the title and let's do this, you know, yeah, they, let's, let's see how this would go. They lean um, into the impossibility. It's, it's, um, you know, RTD's original idea was a little too on the nose, uh, because it, the planet was supposed to be called hell originally. Mm, right. Uh, which, glad that they, they didn't, uh, they, they said that it has no name or it's called cropped or whatever, but yeah, hell would have been a bit like, Hmm, I wonder what we're going to find here. Um, even so, I got to say, at the time when I when I watched this in two thousand six, uh, it is hard to remember now. That, you know, it was not knew who was not automatically going to be a success. Uh, you know, there are a lot of classic Who fans looking at it askance, and the fact that it had not had a lot of uh, space bound episodes in, in season one was was part of that. Um, but also, like I, I came at this and I, I was like, okay, first of all, Doctor Who meets the Devil. Are we? Hmm, are, we, are, we, right. uh, are we scraping the the bottom of the barrel here? Uh, in terms, it's a bit of, good uh, omens ish, isn't it? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I we we had not it was foreshadowing. Yet, <laughs> we'd not yet gotten to Doctor Who meets Santa Claus, which uh, you know right. would, would come along later. That also seemed like the bottom of the barrel, but they always find somewhere around. So I kind of liked it, but you know the the thing that stuck out of my memory was 
how kind of meta this was and not always in a good way. And because the the opening where the Doctor and Rose get out of the TARDIS and they say, well, I guess we could just investigate. And if anything goes wrong, we could just come back to the TARDIS. And then they burst out laughing. That that seemed like a meta step too far for me. Uh, oh, was, yeah, you know, my, my hot take is that my hot take is that I I really like that opening, and my other hot take is that Last Christmas is the best Christmas special, and everyone else can yes. cry about it. <laughs> I, well, I, I like agree I like with you. Yes, they, they I, I didn't totally surprise me. Mind the meta comment. It wasn't quite how you're describing it because they're basically like, well, this seems like it could be a little fishy, and they're like, well, we could just go back in and go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, and I think I think that's it's less about. Um, I, I'll agree it is a bit awkward, but it is kind of like this could be dangerous. Oh no, are we gonna leave? You know, like I that that's that's kind of what I like about it because, like, hey, this whole thing is like we we just you know, not to laugh at danger, but we would we know it's risky, like that's why we're doing this. And I also really like there's a couple other meta things, maybe you didn't. I like them. This might be one of the things where Chris and I have have clearly different sort of takes on it, but where he where he talks about his. Um, it's more fun that way when he doesn't know where he's going, right? And there's a lot of sort of references, particularly when they're sort of new and they're just sort of figuring out who these people are. So here's, here's, and I'll just sort of take a step back structurally on Doctor Who, why I sort of like this, um, because it believably, in in my view anyway, wins the people over. Because most mm. of the time in Doctor Who, when this happens, they show up and it's sort of a secure facility. Like they get thrown in jail for half the episode. Right, they're usually in a cell, and then there's a lot of like convincing of people that they are who they say they are. They really can help in the situation. And here, I I, I like that they skip that. There's a tiny bit of like being held at gunpoint initially by Jefferson, uh, the older guy with the gun, uh, but then quickly they're in the bridge, and they're clearly very knowledgeable people, um, and they're just there. And it's also like, well, we're all in this burning building. Like, why would we throw you in a, in a cell now? Like, let's all just work together to figure out the problem. You know, yeah. I like that. And is it all right if I skip back to like that first scene for a second? Yeah, um, yeah go. Because so so that, that sort of dynamic between Ten and Rose where they sort of step outside and they're like, oh, should we go back in? It could be dangerous. Um, I think one of the things that is very interesting about Ten and Rose is that they're especially in season two, you get this sense of their hubris. Um, Mm. They, they sort of, they sort of build up this nonchalance about, um, about their travels together. Um, You know, Rose thinks that she's totally going to travel with the doctor forever. The doctor hasn't really reckoned with the consequences of being so um, emotionally invested in Rose. And so when they get ripped apart in doomsday, it's all the more, tragic but Mm. in some ways it's kind of their own fault that it got to that point because you you see kind of multiple episodes throughout series two where they're they're kind of cocky and there's a lot of people who don't like ten and rose's dynamic because sometimes they do get cocky but i think that's kind of part of the point that if, Mm -hmm. if you start getting too secure in your relationship with the doctor if you start thinking oh nothing can happen to me i'm invincible that's when you get trapped in another dimension and you can never be together again. Yes. There, there are definitely echoes of what happens with, with Clara in, in her final season, that, that kind of cockiness. 
Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. And yeah, th- this is kind of a pivot point for for Ten and Rose's uh, romantic dynamic, right? It's the first time they talk about the idea. Oh, we'd have to settle down together, and we could, you know, there's that kind of awkward, like, oh, mm. I guess we could live, we could share, maybe, and blushing and looking away. What did you guys think of the? Did you did you believe uh, the, the romance in this episode? And also, by the way, this this is the first foreshadowing of Doomsday, right? Of the right battle. when the beast. Mm. says she's going to die in battle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you count the fact that the Doomsday theme plays when Rose first enters the TARDIS in her very first episode, but I think mm. that I I don't know how much of that was pre-planned and how much of that was Murray Gold being, I kind of like this riff that I used when she first entered the TARDIS. I'm going to use it for a composition that's going to make everybody cry. So <laughs> Sounds um, like it. the latter, yes. He'd do it, he'd do it. Yeah, Um. I, I think one of the other parts of this episode that gets me about Ten Rose's romantic dynamic is that he almost says he loves her when mm. he's being lowered yeah. down to the pit. He, he tells Ida, like, if you see Rose again, tell her, and he breaks himself off and he goes, oh, she knows, and then... Well, that's what know, I like. Down. I like that is, like, the balance to the scene you're talking about, Chris, because when he, it's mm. kind of like that awkward moment and he's just kind of looking at her, you you still not sure. I mean, you're, you're definitely getting hints throughout the season that his feelings are deep, too, but... He doesn't. He doesn't really do anything, right? He doesn't even sort of reach out his hand or reassure her or whatever. Um, he just kind of wants the comfort of their earlier banter and doesn't want to sort of go down this route. But yeah. then when he's forced mm-hmm. later, like he, you know, there's no TARDIS, the air is running out. It, it looks like he's going to die. He's like, you know what? I, I, this is my sort of last chance. And yes. he, he, he almost comes out and says it, but he clearly feels it. So it's, it's a good, you know. Uh, I mean, just really, like you said earlier, Ellie, well-paced and well sort of like uh, thought out in terms of like the beats that are happening and when they're happening and how they pay off. It's especially yeah, interesting to- given given that 14 has is, is suddenly uh, decided that he says that he loves people now. He loves Donna. <laughs> uh, right. So he's maybe overcompensating uh, for 10. I was also struck, by the way, by the fact that the only, the only kiss that they share, the only moment of physical intimacy is that Rose kisses his uh, space helmet. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got the sense of a, you know, some a barrier keeping them apart. Again, perhaps uh, foreshadowing Doomsday. Yeah, there's okay. also the the speech that he gives to the beasts at the end. Um, is is stuff that uh, he doesn't say he loves Rose um, romantically, but you get the sense that he's sort of bearing his soul in a way that I don't know that he would ever say to Rose's face, where he mm. says, you know, something along the lines of, "I've seen fake gods and bad gods and demigods and would be gods, but if I believe in one thing out of that whole pantheon, I believe in her." Um, and and this, that was one of those bits where, so the credited writer for this episode is Matt Jones, but obviously mm-hmm. Russell T Davies as the showrunner would have edited and maybe added some stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember reading in the writer's tale, which is Russell T Davies's sort of oh, yes. memoir slash very long interview with Benjamin Cook, asking him all these questions about his time writing for the show. So he, he, Benjamin Cook asked him, so, you know, you, you do a lot of extensive revision on some of these episodes that you run the show for. Um, and you've only only with the specials did you start taking like co-writer credit for for them are there any episodes from your past from from you know new right. who that you wish you'd taken a co-writer credit on but didn't and he named the impossible planet and the satan pit as two episodes mm. that he wished he'd taken co-writer credit on and that's not to say that matt jones didn't do a lot of work on it because of course he did but at the same time 
the I've seen bad gods and fake gods and demigods and would be yeah. that has Russell T Davies's grubby little paws all over it. Oh, you just know that man wrote that line. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what else struck me as very RTD-ish was the the resolution of the of the opening cliffhanger. Uh, from from the first cold and impossible planet, where the the would come towards them, go, we must feed, we must feed, and then the resolution mm-hmm. is, we must feed you uh, <laughs> if you are hungry. And I'm like, oh god, that's. Uh, and again, I I, I want to say so uh, on my initial viewing, I I was stopped by all these things, but watching it again, this happens a lot with Paul to open. Uh, when we rewatch stuff, it's you know it's a lot lighter and better and happier and i really enjoyed this this time so mm. much more than my first viewing and i i especially enjoyed all the moments where they pause and have a philosophical conversation about you know that feeling that you get in the back of your brain when you want to uh, you know jump off into something you talk about you know primate genetics and uh you know and this sort of uh, urge to explore this urge to fall which is very right and also in the devilish context also the beast playing on sort of those basic fears which a doctor calls him out on and sort of mm-hmm. particularly uh, i think it's in the satan pit where he sort of gets everyone to start panicking and it's the doctor gets to be the doctor right because he comes in with his like no he's giving you like even though this creature seems to know about you and probably has some kind of psychic power like it's it's painting that it its way and you need to look look at yourselves at the whole picture and really see the that yourselves as i see you the best mm-hmm. of humanity here and it's like what's it's a really really good uh doctory moment and tenant has a bunch of them honestly if you think about it like t- this is tenant's eighth and ninth episode you know so he's had some wow. time but he's still pretty new mm-hmm. and i feel like this is a a, a great uh showcase of him really starting to get his doctor and Davey's yeah. trying, starting to get his doctor, right? Because he's giving him the lines. And, you know, th- there's this, there's the bit in the first episode where he hugs Zach, the commander. Yeah. And he, he expresses that admiration for humans. Um, like, he, it's just sort of throughout. And like you said, all that sort of philosophical stuff, the stuff he, you know, the back and forth with Ida later. Like, this is a really amazing performance by Tennant. And, and you know, they give him a lot of lot to work with here. It's a very yeah. interesting choice to make Satan... Uh, mute basically to to have the doctor basically doing a monologue uh rather than having a dialogue with this monster which i think would have diminished it but the idea of you know they just doesn't have a voice and the doctor has to figure it all out himself in a very sort of doctorish and i love this sort of cross-cutting from different angles of the doctor he says yes no what no and you see his thinking process out loud yeah i'd forgotten about those cuts but i I really love them. And actually, one of the things that I found out about this episode relatively recently is that I I don't know how much of the speech this is referring to, but at least for for part of Tennant's speech, um, so they were filming in this cave, and they had like 15 minutes before they had to clear out and get out of there, and they still needed to shoot Tennant's speech, and he did it in one take. And completely saved their butts. And one take tenant, and um, the, 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 <laughs> the guy the is such a, a doctor. Yeah, the guy, the guy is such a pro. And you know, you say it's his eighth and ninth episode. It might not have been the eighth and ninth episode he shot because they they do them mm. in in blocks, and I'm not sure. Oh, that's true. This was in. Yeah. So it might well, even have been an earlier episode. Christmas invasion too. It's probably his mm. ninth and tenth if you think about it. Yeah. So, guys, what do we think of the ood? We've talked about them a bit. Yeah. Uh, there's the intro where they have the we must feed and you. 
And then they're, so they're evil, they're nice. Then they're evil again. Uh, they get that great little tease with the, um, when, uh, what is the, it would say to the beast and his armies will uh, rise from the pits wait. and declare war against God or something. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. I, I thought that the, was a nice line. Yeah. The incongruous comedy of having them say that sort of thing where, where Rose is just coming up to them and like, Oh, Hey, I was a dinner lady. Are you a lady? And they, I love that the, just blinks at that. Um, so l- let me just qualify my question. Once I want, I want to ask you, how do you think of the Ood is the monster? But also what do you think of the Ood is an idea? Cause there's all those sort of hints that are paid off, obviously not in this series of episodes, but later in Planet of the Ood about them being a slave race. And then, um, you know, all the sort of morality that's attached to that. I mean, I think the Ood throughout this episode are just being used by everybody, um, mm, including in, including the beasts, including the, the Satan figure, because uh. it's probably very painful to have literal Satan living inside your head and using you to spread his message. Um, mm. But at the same time, they wouldn't be in that position to, you know, be used by Satan if they weren't also in turn being used by the humans. And I think one of the things that's very subtly chilling about this episode is that you've got Danny, who's the ethics officer or whatever he's he's called. It, it's yeah. something eth- ethicist. And he hates the Ood. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he thinks they're stupid. He thinks they're he, he thinks they're mindless beasts. And you can even and you can see in this episode that they are, you know, intelligent beings who ought to be worthy of moral consideration. And especially in Planet of the Ood, you find out just the extent to which they've been abused and enslaved. But even in this episode, you can see that their situation yeah. is really quite horrifying. And mm. I, I think, you know, it's, it's Rose calls it out. Rose is obviously very uncomfortable with, with this. Um, yes. but, even, but even in the second part of the episode, she sort of... Um, th- there's a part where Danny's like, "Yeah, I can, I can feed, you know, basic zero through their heads and counteract the signal from the beast." And she's like, "Well, go on, then do it." And I, I thought that was a bit weird <laughs> that she didn't think, "What's that going to do to the ood?" Because, because when they did yeah. it, they collapsed. That could have yeah, been very right. nice. So much um, for her and, being a member of Friends of the Ood. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then, you, and then at the end, I mean, were, yeah. the, you know, the, the doctor. Um, the doctor has this line where he's like, oh, I, I couldn't save the Ood. And it, mm. he seems sad about it, obviously. And it, it definitely seems like, you know, he had the choice, go get Ida or get maybe like one Ood and leave. So I understand that he had to make that choice. But um, one thing that I did think was quite lovely is that um, as the spaceship with the survivors is flying away at the end, Zack starts listing out the names of every single Ood saying deceased with honors. Right. And it, right. it and that finally feels like they're kind of being put on an equal level with the humans who died in this incident. But yeah, yeah the Ood situation is horrifying. <laughs> it's going to be a long list. Well, I I don't know which which deity we should thank for the fact that the Ood is not the Slitheen, which was the original mm. idea. The uh, Raxacolacopitorians. <laughs> yes. yes. Get it right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The other one looks exactly like the Slitheen, but isn't called the Slitheen. Uh, but they were supposed to believe that this planet held their their deity. And uh, what RTD eventually decided was that, that would just kind of distract a little too much from the plot. And thank goodness. Thank goodness also that yeah. he's a fan of the Sensorites. And uh, that's the last time I've ever going to say that. Uh, because that was <laughs> sort of the original thing that they, they were based on. And he, uh, if you haven't seen the Sensorites uh, and you ever need to fall asleep for any reason, Pete can tell you it's a very good classic episode <laughs> for for that. Uh, best best insomnia cure in Doctor Who, the Sensorites. Yes. Yes. Noted. Uh, 
<laughs> so that's that's the origin of their sort of their the centroids had little stethoscopy things, didn't they? Uh, which I guess is the origin of the ball, which is also good for right. kind of distracting the eye from from the mask. Like it, you know, you, your eye gets drawn. Totally. To well, it's it's such a weird thing. I really like the I really like the Ood as a monster, and one of the reasons is that little ball thing because it's just mm. kind of this accessory and it's it's a little weird and it gives them sort of something to do even though it makes zero sense that they wouldn't have some kind of satchel or something to carry it with right like they're just literally holding it and you could you know headcanon that pretty easily maybe there's sort of more of a physical psychic connection you get uh not just with the wire but with the hand um but it's cool because you know it lets them use it as a weapon later and they don't do that quite enough they do it i think once maybe twice in this in this episode um, yeah, they they use it once to kill an unnamed member of the crew who showed up at the start, and then I think only showed up again to be killed. And I was very right. confused about that because I don't think she. I I think it was a woman. I don't think she was ever named. Yeah. Oh no, it's, she has a name, but she's but she's sort of introduced as like she's the intern or something. Yeah, no, um, no, but no I, uh, wasn't that Scooty? <laughs> yeah, Scooty. Well, Scooty was the one that that's uh, spaced by yes. Toby. Yeah, um, no, I, this this is someone completely different who I didn't even remember until I watched this episode again. And I was like, that, that's not one of the crew members that I remember. And she she was just sort of there, and then she got killed by an Ood. Yes. Well, I will say, <laughs> I think well, they did a red shirt. Yes. Again, the pacing, how they did it with the Ood, sort of friendly, then evil. Well, sort of tiny bit evil at the beginning, but then friendly, then evil. Um, that works well. But also, they they crawl through those uh, ducts like nothing else. I mean, I for whatever that mask is it clearly didn't prevent the actors from moving fairly fast and yeah. the yeah so so, so like i think you'd work pretty well a uh, fine example a of how this this is sort of a very self-aware um storyline because they have they say oh no it's not actually a ventilation shaft and in fact the, the security chief says to rose i appreciate the reference Hmm. Yeah, sure. It's not the really, ventilation shaft. Yeah, sure. it's, it's right. really. A, it's, let's get real. It's a ventilation shaft. <laughs> but I think and, the would function yeah. mostly as a way to sort of help Rose in this adventure and sort of stand out. And I think this is actually a really good episode for Rose, partly because she gets to stand up for the Ood, but also that she sort of becomes, you know, kind of the project manager in the second episode yeah. for the the whole thing descending the doctor and Ida down and yeah. she kind she's of becomes like this skills. yeah, yeah she's, she's got this she becomes this like very active and decision making member of the crew um very very quickly and you know even even at the end there where she's like wants to stay with the doctor and they have to actually literally knock her out to mm. get her on board the rocket i mean again this is all i think very good um for rose and her character i mean she's come a long way since she was kind of bumbling through the shadow proclamation declaration in uh, the Christmas uh, Christmas invasion, right? Um, she's for a chav. She's she's done really well, uh, and yeah, it's quite amazing. It's you almost kind of want to see her more in that in that commanding role, which I guess she by the time of the dimension canon, you know, she she's much more right. that kind of rose. But yeah, you know, it's something a rose kind of, with kind a, of a machine start. <laughs> Indeed. Well, is it is it time to is it time to talk about black holes? I'm really excited I think it, to. It's time, time to enter the <laughs> astrophysics corner. Ooh. I hope we have a, a special jingle just for that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ellie. Tell us about this black hole. How insane is it? Okay. First of all, here's here's my first question. We'll get to the visuals of it because I'm really curious about that. But so, the planet orbiting the black hole 
it sounds impossible, but it's like, well, if you were far enough out, couldn't you? You know, like, I mean, it's it's just gravity. Is it yeah. really that impossible? Uh, yeah, yeah. Not so, Ma- Mavity, yeah, I don't know what this gravity thing is you're talking about. That must be some kind of um, inside joke that we are not getting. Um, yeah, so, like I said, I have a degree in astrophysics. I also, um, science communication is my day job. Um, my nice. headphones just made a weird noise. Can you still hear me? You're good, yes. yep. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, I have actually made one or two videos about the science of Doctor Who. Um, there, I've made one, there might be another one up by the time this uh, podcast episode airs. So yes, I love thinking about the science of sci-fi. So I, I want to preface this by saying that um, I'm not trying to ruin the episode. Um, it, I don't think that taking some liberties with science is bad writing. I think it can be used for a cool story effect sometimes. So I'm not trying to say it's bad. I'm not trying to say that it's ruining the suspension of disbelief for everyone or anything. I just think it's interesting to think about the science in fiction and how it compares to science in real life. So, oh yeah, if Doctor Who's got the science more than 50% right, it's doing well. I don't mm-hmm. think... I, I would take 25%, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take 10%, like, you know. Yeah. Um, so yes, can planets orbit black holes? So... When we think of a black hole, at its most basic, it's really just, like you said, it's a source of gravity. Um, It's a really, really massive source of gravity, but it's still a source of gravity. So if you were far enough out and you were moving fast enough, yeah, you could totally orbit a black hole. Um, So I believe it was in 2019, there was a paper about um, calculating how far a planet would need to, how far out a planet would need to be and how fast it would be orbiting. Uh, um, Okay. if it wanted to uh, orbit a black hole, um, there's a, there's a term called planet, which is it's a portmanteau of black hole and planet. So planets, planets are planets that orbit black holes. So yes, in theory, it, bl- in theory, planets are a hundred percent possible, um, and indeed they're almost certainly a thing, because if you've got a source of gravity, there's uh, entirely a possibility that something could be orbiting it. And um, in terms of stars. Um, on average, there's a planet for every star. So having a planet mm. for, for regular stars is the rule rather than the exception. So we can sort of extrapolate that to black holes and assume, okay, black holes probably very routinely have planets. Um, the reason but probably we... pretty far out is what I'm sort of getting mm. from you. Because maybe well, that's where the impossibility comes in. Because it's like, clearly in the show, they're close enough to see it, almost like it's the sun for this planet. And yeah, I don't know but... how the physics works, but... Would, would, but the thing it, it about seems black like you'd have to be further out, maybe. The thing about black holes is they're actually very small, size-wise, mm, because right. it's the mass of a star, but it's scrunched up really, really tiny. Um, mm. so, size, do you? so I guess relatively <laughs> it would have to be quite far away, but in terms of absolute distance, it might not have to be that far. It does depend a lot on the mass of the black hole, which can be... Mm. Um, all the way from like regular star mass to there's there's an absolutely enormous black hole in the center of our galaxy called Sagittarius A star, which I believe is 400 million solar masses. So getting back back to the show though, like what about this the, the visual rep- representation of this black hole? Is it? I know it's not. It's it's nuts, right? Because there's all this sort of plasma and gas and stuff. But like, let's really try to like work with it. Like they do say there's a whole star system that's being consumed. And even yeah, though they say that happens in a few seconds, system. you yeah. can kind of like maybe squint a bit and think like, oh, this is a thing that is just going on. And maybe it's going on for weeks or months. 
and maybe that's why it's a bit glowy. I don't know. Does that, if you squint, does that make any sense at all? I mean, actually, the glowy stuff around the black hole is very much um, congruous with real life because oh, yeah? um, because a lot nice. of black holes, if if they're actively consuming material will have this glowing disk around them called an accretion disk that does give off light. That's actually how we find right. a lot of black holes because we can see the accretion disk even if we can't see the black hole. So e- even though there's a lot of liberty taken with being able to see like individual bits of debris being pulled in, the, the black hole itself, mm. in terms of being able to see the accretion disk, that's not actually that bad. And um, if you want to see a really good um, depiction of a black hole, I would recommend watching Interstellar. Because oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. they they did a they did a really good job of trying to make the black hole look visually like a black hole might, based on what we know about the physics of black holes. Um, so it, it's a little bit more complicated than you just have this black thing and then there's like a, a corona mm. blowing stuff around it. Mm. But the basic components is it's pretty much it. That's pretty much kind of what you would see. Um, and the disc, uh, but, the disc, is that the same thing as the event horizon, or is that no? Is so the start? event horizon oh. is the event horizon is where the black bit starts. Okay. So um, point so, of no return, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so the black circle that you can see is actually not like the the heart of the black hole. The heart of the black hole is known as the singularity, and it's it, we think it's physically impossible for there to be a naked singularity where you can actually see the singularity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't we don't know what that would look like. Um, well, I, was, I thought it was a little weird that we had this two part episode about a black hole, and actually the word the word the term event horizon is never said. Mm. Uh, but I think it's just implied that if the planet falls far enough, it falls into the event horizon, and then that's it. Yeah. So that's when when you see it at the end there, and sort of the, it's only on the radar screen, um, and it sort of disappears. You just assume, oh, that's it. It's it's basically gone yeah. It's crossed the, the it's crossed the event horizon and it's done. Is, um, is it true, Ellie, that if you cross the event horizon, uh, you you get turned into spaghetti? A spaghettification <laughs> is a term for what happens when something is falling into the black hole, where basically it gets stretched really, really far by gravity. Um, and I believe that spaghettification starts before you reach the event horizon. So it can get really, really nasty even as you're approaching the event horizon. And time also gets really weird when you get toward the event horizon. Um, I mean, if you the episode World Enough in Time uh, mm, from the Capaldi right. era is based on that yeah. kind of weird time dilation stuff. Um, so I was really, really excited when I saw that. I was, I was going to say, I was going to ask you, Ellie, uh, you know, perhaps as a PSA for our, for our younger viewers, uh, we're, we're told in, in this story uh, that looking into a black hole will make you mad. Uh, if you just stare into it, uh, if if any of our listeners were to encounter a black hole, should they stare into it? I mean, it doesn't give off any light, so I don't think there's any problem. It's just if the accretion disk was glowing really brightly, you might want to bring mm. some solar eclipse glasses. Okay, that um, is a good tip. Also, yeah. check if Omega is on the other side, which I think. Um, oh my God, there's the line that where the doc you mentioned earlier, Ellie, where he talks about. Uh, it just eats and eats and eats. And that's in response to Rose asking why I thought there were like other dimensions or other universes on the other side of black yeah. holes. And he kind of says, not this one because <laughs> implying that there are somewhere you can go to another dimension. In fact, in fact he's encountered them uh, not to spoil mm-hmm. anything for you, but I won't say any more about that, but there are some questions we need to answer about the impossible planet and the Satan pit. And those are of course the four questions to doomsday. First question, 
why did the randomizer take us here? And good God, why didn't it? I think we, we could have been over this, right? The black so, hole, yeah. the three doctors, three doctors yeah. tenant, wild blue yonder. I mean, again, if you just, if you want a connection to Nightmare of Eden, where we just at, like, I mean, I think you'd need some serious drugs to want to orbit a black hole at. Yeah. yeah Nightmare, Nightmare of Eden life. was like the impossible hyperspace uh, crash uh, in right. a way. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. You got anything it, else, Chris? Well, yeah. I mean, the connection to the Wild Blue Yonder. I also got a connection to Star Beast, uh, rather the comic book version, because don't they talk about a black sun at some point? Yeah. I think the Beast talks about a black sun, which is what it, it's become a psychedelic sun in right. the TV version of the Star Beast. Uh, you know, speaking of needing drugs to orbit a black hole. Uh, <laughs> Definitely need drugs to orbit a psychedelic sun, uh, but yeah, it's a black sun in the comic book. So that was that was a great connection. It's just yeah, it's it knew about Wild Blue Yonder before we did. That that's extraordinary, and uh, it uh, knew of Ali's specialty. So uh, thank you, randomizer. I guess so. Uh, yes, we we should praise the randomizer. We should. Um, I, I'm not sure if we should uh, praise it as a deity or or lock it in a pit for all eternity. Uh, once, once we're done here, uh, pull to mm. open and, and never let it be freed again. Because I'm, I'm a little disturbed by its choices. I almost said yeah. praise him, and then I remembered that that's a different episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many episodes. It's like, yeah, you can't, you can't go wrong with a bit of uh, praising the bad guy. All right, love folks, some religious if, um, horror. Unless anyone, <laughs> unless you have any other theories, Ellie, we can uh, move on to the second um, question. Oh, I think the randomizer one? just loves me. Um, because yes. this is one of my Clearly. favorite episodes, and I and I get to talk about black holes, so I think the randomizer just loves me. I like the randomizer. Wow. I'm not scared of it. Why are you scared of the randomizer? It's your friend. And <laughs> your and your boyfriend now. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what, we're to the second question. What if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, so so the evil plot is Satan's. <laughs> That's the last time I'm going to get to say that. Um, the, the evil plot is Satan's to to escape the planet, but he wants to. It's not quite so. He wants to go to Earth through through Toby, the guy on the spaceship that's escaping the orbit of the black hole. But then what happens? Hmm. So we, we all get like cool face tattoos. Is that it? Uh, you know. We, we well, all get to I be like to, uh, yeah. hipster face tattoo people because it's in a language that you don't know. People are like, hey, what's what's that language in your face tattoo? Is that, oh, you probably, you know, it's from before the dawn of time. You won't know it. So well, that's think about that's like, exactly how hipsters. it could even succeed, right? So yeah. Rose, even if she's out for a little longer and doesn't uh, do the thing where she kills Toby, um, it it the doctor's still going to bust those things at the gateway, so everyone's still going to get sucked into the black hole. And I think it what has to happen is the doctor has to be out for a little longer. Hmm. So therefore, he's out too long. Ida dies. The rocket gets away, and he's just there with the beast. So rather than breaking the prison, I feel like what happens then is he he'll eventually find the TARDIS. And that'll kick off like find Satan in the 43rd century, you know, like a, a new, an, an arc that no one asked for. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that does sound like a big finish special. 
I mean, what if, so, so again, this is the 43rd century. We don't know how much technology on Earth has progressed. What if, so the beast has the ability to psychically control the Ood. What mm. if there, what if people on Earth have some kind of super advanced communications, like internet chip in their brain? Would the beast be able to control that? Would we have like, mm. would we have, would we have like Cybus Industries 2.0, but instead it's like Hell Industries 2.0? Uh, well, yes, it's clearly going to control us through the 5G chips in our brain um, uh, via Bill Gates uh, and, uh, of course, vaccines. We've got to get vaccines yeah, in there somewhere. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how you get the mark of the beast. Um, yeah, it's it's a little weird because, you know, the, the doctor at one point seems to settle on the fact that he's not actually the devil. He's more of an idea of the devil, mm. which is like, so that the idea is going to go out and infect Earth. Well, that's yeah. kind of already happened. So maybe Toby's yeah, going to start a cult. Maybe, yep. maybe Toby slash the Beast will start a cult and gain a massive following. And now you've got oh, a, no doubt a new religion. Well, the thing is, the Beast again. It's actually the Ood that says it that its mm. ultimate goal is to wage war against God, and it must have something in mind. Uh, whether that's, I guess, the people who imprisoned it or the actual God. I like the idea of somehow this sets off uh, some kind of war for the 43rd century between the beast and, uh, frankly, the doctor, who ends up sort of taking on the role of God by sort of yeah. marching everyone against it. So, yeah, we're, we're getting a bit moffaty here, turning, turning yeah. the doctor into a god uh, already. Well, but, but also, like, where, where's the white guardian in this? Isn't the white guardian basically god? No, the, the guardians weren't all powerful. Oh, okay. Stop, stop I mean, confusing our guests is... with classic Who references. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, I, you I, don't need I've to worry about the white guardian. guardian. Okay, good. I, I've, heard, I've heard of it. It's all right. Um, so I think the doctor is referred to as a lonely god throughout the RTD mm. era. So, mm. so, so maybe even if this was an RTD era type episode, he'd still be on board with letting whoever's writing the episode go a little bit. Um, oh, also, also, how are we forgetting that it was RTD that turned the Doctor into Space Jesus? Yes, in, yeah. <laughs> in lots of the time, Jesus here. <laughs> This is there's definitely the temptation, but it's weird. Like the, the you know the temptation of space Jesus in this is you know that the temptation is to be so distracted by his love for Rose that he's he's not going to even risk her death. So mm-hmm. like that that's it. So sort of in, in action and wanting to save his friend is is the great temptation. It's a little weird. The, hmm. the idea that he'd fall for that, but maybe if he did, then then this kicks off the the sequel uh, where you know instead of the Satan pit, we we have I guess the the uh, the God uh, complex. God, <laughs> God complex. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I love that. You know, one thing about the God complex didn't actually contain God. Doctor Who has not yet met God uh, in in any form. So he's okay. met gods, don't, as he don't says. Give him ideas. Yeah, okay, RTD, oh, yeah, don't we, call us on that one. We, we don't want to go a season five of Supernatural. We don't want to get down that path. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we all like the idea of some kind of Satan cult or war that have results from it. And um, yeah, that's a pretty good alternate Big Finish box set for Ten and Rose, uh, assuming she survives that rocket trip. Moving on to the third question. Which is where is the Clara Splinter? He built the ventilation shafts. <laughs> oh, I, I got her doing something similar. 
But of course, Clara Oswald splintered in time. At the end of the name of the Doctor, she's somewhere in every single Doctor Who episode. Where is she in the Impossible Planet or the Satan Pit? Which I'm glad you went there, Ellie, because there's not a lot of places for her to actually be in the episodes. So to have Mm. some kind of influence, she's kind of, uh, unless she is that nameless, faceless person that got zapped by the Ood, uh, which is not a great ending for our, uh, you know, our friend Clara. Um, she I mean, she often dies saving the doctor, so that's true. That's I true. I don't know that that would be all that out of character. Yeah, yeah, maybe she's um, she may be the, the one responsible in the TARDIS. We've, we've noted the, the, the possibility that you know, Time Lady Clara could be you know, hiding in the TARDIS in, in some of these stories. Um, because it is a bit convenient that TARDIS just happens to appear right there next to the Doctor when he needs it. It's a bit uh, TARDIS Ex Machina. Um, so, yeah, that would be my vote, that, that Time Lady Clara is just maneuvering it, navigating it, perhaps from afar. Um, and, uh, yeah, made sure that the Doctor had the TARDIS just when he needed it, uh, and that the HAD system was turned on. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's that's a possibility. So I had I had a couple, right? So one was I, I was going to what did they say? Imprison the beast? It wasn't God. It was like the the defender like of light some or something like that. Legion right? of Light, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, let's give her the best job there. That she's basically the one who cut off Sauron's arm or whatever, and she she was the key. Uh, and doing that that's a little maybe a bit mary sue for clara even even for clara mm. um so the other possibility i had is like if anyone who grew up in the 90s uh recognized some of the sounds in this episode it was the door sounds and they, they're basically straight out of doom the video game which i thought was genius mm-hmm. because doom obviously it's all about demonic forces taking over a remote base on some off-world pl- planet or, or world um, and so just to, to have that noise, I mean, it was just such a delight to sort of hear it as a person who played Doom. Um, so I think Clara is a fan of Doom and she was designing doors <laughs> in like the 42nd or the 43rd century. And uh, that's what I'm going to choose to believe. I think that's what she was doing. I love that. I love that. It's also possible that, that she was uh, the, the, the wife who was referred to uh, many times with, uh, right. is it Mr. Jefferson, the, uh, uh, the Jefferson. security dude yeah uh, did your wife ever forgive you yeah well she didn't (laughs) (laughs) maybe she's there maybe she does send him a little message before the end saying that she does actually forgive him for whatever it was that he did uh or you know maybe just the the thought of her is what allows him to sacrifice himself nobly uh to uh save the others a little message before the end and that is the message of what did we think of this episode yes it's time for the pull to open rating system which has six ratings one the viscount banger which we give to a Awesome, best of the best episode of Doctor Who. The Dalek, which is a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which is a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, which is a not-so-good episode, but at least they tried something. We have the Lady Cassandra, paper-thin plot. But you know what? It looks good, and you might want to moisturize it a little. And there is also 
what am I missing? The fixed point in time. Fixed point in time. That's what we were just talking about earlier. It's something beyond rating sometimes for reasons of nostalgia and sometimes for other reasons. So maybe it uh, fell into a black hole. Ellie, the way we like to do these with guests is Chris and I'll do it. And then you'll either be the tiebreaker or the standout. So Chris, why don't you go for it? All right. Well, well, you know, uh, this, this definitely had banger potential. Uh, I I will say that, uh, which I did not expect to say when I started watching it, uh, when, when we knew we were going here, uh, because I said I wasn't a fan of it first time around. And as I was watching, I was like, is, is this a banger? Is this, is it like, you know, with a lot of those, like the, the philosophical, philosophical asides, the science, like it's, it's got that potential. What, what knocks it down for me is like the, the padding. I, I felt like all the ventilation shaft stuff was like 20 minutes of padding. It's just a little too much. There was a little too much corridor in this which is kind mm-hmm. of also a summary of, of doctor who in general uh but just yeah a little too much corridor there for a second. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. way too much corridor um but uh, so i think that for me that knocks it down to a dalek i think it's a very sturdy solid satanic dalek with with horns uh on its head uh and uh, and it looks very fearsome and it's giant uh, perhaps not as giant as uh, RTD wanted the CGI to be. Apparently, mm. wanted an even larger devil uh, that we didn't get. But yeah, yeah, solid, solid Dalek for me. So I think you're right the first time. I think this is a banger. I wasn't quite sure. I didn't. Uh, I wanted to reserve my judgment until after we discussed it. But I just, I disagree on the padding. I actually really like the sort of running through of uh, ventilation shafts. Uh, and also, you also get this sort of heroic moment where Jefferson asked him to turn off the um, the oxygen. And you, I really like the bit where Toby goes red-eye for a second because mm. up until that point, you're even starting to question, well, wait, is he okay now? We're not really sure. And I like that they introduced that dramatic irony. And then you start to, as a viewer, invited to start piecing it together before they even reveal sort of the end. So it really sort of gets your brain going in a way, but not too much that it gives everything away. So I thought that was all really smart. And again, one thing we haven't raved enough about, honestly, I think is the guest cast here. Because one of the things I really liked about this, and my whole family uh, really liked it, but Jack in particular, who really, really liked it, he said this was one of the best episodes he's ever seen. Wow. um, Was he talked about how he really liked all the guest cast. They all were very uh, distinct personalities. They were all good actors. And I also just think about this in sort of early New Who, doing this ensemble with a bunch of sort of younger and more diverse actors. Like you think about classic Who, these mostly would have been crusty white guys, right? In in yep. any kind of quote unquote ensemble. But this was one of the first times in New Who they really kind of showed an, an ensemble cast in a modern kind of way, which to me levels it up from. Uh, mm. even everything I was, we were talking about. So me, this is a banger. And even though we've given a lot of bangers to tenant, I think if we looked at the banger percentage in our codex, mm. um, he's probably, I, I'm tempted to not give him this one because he's got so many, but it's like, you know what? This was just really good. I was really into it. And so were my kids. So it's a banger. Interesting. Ellie? Interesting. Yeah. I think I, I will say, by the way, just before we get to Ellie's rating, uh, I, as, as an example of base under siege, I think there are, you know, this this is among the best of the best, um, and uh, as well as the fact that it sort of, you know, kind of uh, deconstructs the whole base under siege narrative and the identikit base, uh, you know. Uh, but yeah, really well drawn characters, nice diverse cast. Uh, yeah, 
you know, definitely don't want to denigrate that aspect of it. Um, well, I'm going to say it's a banger. So uh, hey, that, means, that means I'm breaking the tie in favor of banger. I just think there we go. Um, so, so like I mentioned a couple of times, I did a full rewatch of New Who last year, and I was expecting my favorite episode of series two to be Girl in the Fireplace. And mm. I do still really like Girl in the Fireplace, but the Sa- the Impossible Planet and Satan Pit took it for me. And re- rewatching it again for this podcast episode, it it it's just it's just so good. I mean, it, it's not it it's not my number one favorite Doctor Who episode, but it doesn't have to be to be a banger. It's it's just great. And I know I spent several minutes picking apart the black hole science uh in this episode but i honestly just like that it featured a black hole i i don't care if he's if you say like there's a black hole and we went through it and then we found this uh meadow with unicorns in it um and also (laughs) and also we got back out alive because reasons or you know any kind of bonkers thing you want to do with a black hole i just like Mm. the fact that there's a black hole in it i like the fact that it's set in space um i you know even though the effects are kind of crappy you know those poor those poor VFX animators in 2006 yeah. being like, oh god, we've got to animate this enormous beats. Oh god, we've got to animate like bits of planet falling into the abyss. Oh god, we've got to animate the rocket ship. Um, Let's just put that on the radar screen. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I've got to say, that the CGI held up relatively well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, big okay. Shout out to the mill for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. we ha- I mean obviously Wild Blue Yonder just aired as we yeah. were recording this. Sure. I mean, they have a much they have a much bigger budget for Wild Blue Yonder, but let's be honest, it, it wasn't it wasn't the best CGI I've ever seen. But in some ways, that kind of makes it feel more like who I don't know. So, is is this before we move on to the randomizer? Is this your your favorite uh, new Who story featuring a black hole? Is it better for you than uh, World Enough and Time? Oh, that's really hard because I do love World Enough and Time. I think it. I think it just about edges out World Enough and Time, even though I like the black hole in World Enough and Time more. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I right. might, part, it might partly be nostalgia. You heard it here it, first it, from a black hole expert, everyone. Yes, best black hole anew, the impossible planet. Uh, no, best the best black, black hole anew who is World Enough and Time, but the best black ah, hole episode. Oh, oh, okay. The best black I hole episode is Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. But okay. That's, that's the nuance it. there. Yeah. Well, I got you. The best black uh, hole, but this is the best black hole episode. Okay. Yeah, wow, the, not, the, the devil. The devil is really in the details of this it one. It really is. It really is. And it might it might be partly because of nostalgia, because obviously I have I have more nostalgia for Tenant than I do for Capaldi. Um so that probably helps it out in a way. But I I also right, guys. think um yeah. And sorry, but we need to uh, surround this black hole with a Dyson sphere or something and bid goodbye to well, it. We need to escape. And we need to escape off our gravity well. Indeed. And we have to rush into our time ship and activate the randomizer. The randomizer, of course, consists of two components. The codex, which is a list of every single story of the show, A Doctor Who in sequential order. And there are now 304 of those? What? What? Yes, because Wild Blue Yonder has been officially added to the list. Uh, I don't know if we should also officially add the giggle yet. Probably not. Probably not. Let's. We're good. Probably we're good not. for now. Even though it's it's airing tonight, when Indeed. people hear it. 
Um, Indeed. Okay, so we have uh, we have two components, uh, and uh, Peter's at the controls of one of them. That's the Codex. That's the Devil You Know, and uh, it is the complete list of all of the Doctor Who stories in sequential order. Pete, how many do we have left to do now? Well, now that I have knocked out uh, the Impossible Planet in the Satan Pit, we are once again at 199. Wow. All right. We're stuck at 199. We're in geostationary orbit around 199. That's 100% uh, the right way to use that word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Victory. Um, all right. So I use random.org. That is the other components. That is the devil that you don't know. Uh, uh, because it uses atmospheric noise to produce, produce a truly random number. Uh, and sort of the pseudo randomness of algorithms. Uh, Ellie, are you familiar with uh, the, the use of atmospheric noise to, to create randomness? I can't say that I am. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if uh, we could have some <laughs> well, scientific insight into that. Uh, no, we we I, will uh, leave it. That feels, like, that feels like more of a mathematician's purview. Yes. All right. Well, uh, we, we do have the purview to ask questions of the randomizer to uh, worship it as a deity and leave offerings at its altar. Uh, Ellie, where would you like us to go next? What kind of story would you like to see? Oh, good question. I think a space story. I like mm. space. <laughs> okay. Space story. I think there are a few of those in yeah, Doctor yeah. Who. But I mean, specifically it... a space story, I think, set in the far future where there's some kind Ooh. of cool space technology going on. When they're all whizzing about and there's teleports and it's not really <laughs> that hard. Yeah, yeah, and I it. and I want some and I want some kind of um I want, a, I want a far future space story that has some kind of commentary that is relevant to us today, whether that's some kind of philosophical, uh, you know, religious sort of aspect, like in The Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, or whether that's something a little bit more um, like taking down capitalism, like in Oxygen, you know, mm. something of that nature. Okay. That's, that's, my, like that. that's what I want. Okay. So a space story with, with an edge. Yes. Got it. Yeah, the political kind of edge. Philosophical, okay. philosophical, political, social edge, yes. So, so what are you Love going it. for, Chris? What's your challenge? Ooh, uh, well, we've, we've, we've done uh, the Doctor meets Satan. Let's, let's have the Doctor meeting another mythical figure. Uh, well, we, yeah, we obviously went to the for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the last Christmas. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is December. It is it is getting close to that time. It might be time to do last Christmas. I I do love it. You know, speaking of stories that that really wrong footed you about the, the Doctor meeting mythical uh, mythical beings. Um, yeah, mm. so so give us a myth. Give us a All hit right. and myth. Well, my challenge is anything but tenant. We've had <laughs> a, too much tenant. That he is so greedy. He's like been the Doctor <laughs> twice. He's been regenerated like three times, or now probably going on four now. He's been in like, I don't know, three out of the last four things we've done, uh, at least. I mean, yeah. let's, let's give him a break. There are like, other doctors. He's had like a bunch of uncredited uh, roles in in Big Finish audio dramas from before he was the mm. doctor. Oh yeah, that's true. Right, Doctor Who Unbound. 
He did the yeah, commentary he, of this one. I listened to the commentary. He's everywhere. He's just overexposed that guy. There are other doctors. Let's come on. Yeah, come on. I, I love it that we've all chosen such a broad category that it's very likely that uh, <laughs> two of us will be right. Uh, so let's see what happens uh, right. as we as we pull down the lever on the randomizer. Pete, give me a countdown. Let's do it in four, three, two, one. Don't blink. 142. We're in wow, New Who. Deep, deep into New Who. 142 takes us to. <gasps> no way. No, what? 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 A Christmas Carol. It is your own. It's Space Far Future. It's not. Yes. And There's kind of some philosophical aspects, yeah. you know. Yeah, very, like very much so. Here, but, you know, I mean, you got Space Scrooge, so there you go. Yeah, it's and that's a bit <laughs> mythical. Like the space whales, they're they're pretty mythical. Yeah, uh, I'll take that. Season, we were just saying this is this is. I forget when this is going to upload, but in the Christmas season, certainly. So, wow, uh, we all I mean, got our wish. Randomizer, <laughs> yes, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it's just so appropriate, and the randomizer is getting Christmassy with it. I wonder if this is the randomizer saying what its favorite Christmas story is. Um, but right. yes, yeah, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much, Ellie Blackwood, for joining us on Woo-hoo. this uh, commentary. And thank you, listener, for listening. This has been Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Podcasts are great things to follow and subscribe to. So why don't you go ahead and do that in whatever app you happen to be in? Uh, you can also follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash pull to open. And that's a great place to follow us, even if you already follow us on one of the podcast apps. It really supports the pod if you support us there, too. Thank you, Martin West, as ever, for our music. Please leave a review in whatever app you're in, if you're able to do that. Follow us on social at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and threads at pull to open 63 blue sky pull to open and, of course, TikTok at pull to open And Ellie, give me your handle again, because it just completely left my head. Loosely Ellie. Loosely Ellie. That was Loose it. Leaf Ellie. All right. Well, this is fabulous. I'm looking forward to our trip to uh, a mysterious planet. Not an impossible one, but a, a very strange one with, with space whales and cryogenic storage. And we will find out next week if Christmas has, in fact, been canceled. Thanks, everybody. 